you, one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday. Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, moral relativism. Is there more than one valid system of morality? What do philosophers mean when they talk about moral relativism? Your teacher is Tim Dean, philosopher at the University of Sydney and a faculty member at the School of Life. Good afternoon. Hi, Richard. We're right into the one of the great political debates of the day. Some people, particularly on the right, say one of the faults of the modern world is that people uh, adopt this view of moral relativism, whereby they say there's no ultimate truth, all philosophies are the same, therefore there's no right and wrong. And once we're in that situation, well, how can you determine anything? Yes, and this is one of the debates that's not just modern. We're seeing it again today, but this has been discussed for well over two and a half thousand years because fundamentally, I think it's safe to say most of us, when we think of right and wrong, we don't think it's just, I shouldn't be doing this, it's you shouldn't be doing it as well. If I think murder is wrong, I think you shouldn't be murdering. And that seems to imply that what we think is right and wrong applies universally. It's objective, it's factual, it's out there. We discover these things to be true. And this causes all this conflict because the other thing that we notice in the world is there's an enormous amount of diversity and disagreement when it comes to what people think is right and wrong. You only have to have a bit of a look around through history, um, across the world today, uh, even with our own, within our own societies, even over our own dinner tables. There are these huge divergences of views about That's right. what well, is right. Mur- murder's right. easy. We all think murder's wrong. But what about euthanasia? Exactly. Some people think it's fine. Other people think it's terrible. Yeah. And there are many examples of this. Let's take another one like revenge. Is it ever justified to uh, lash out at somebody in revenge for something that they have done wrong to you? When is it justified? Well, let's take another one. Lying. When is it permissible to lie? Should you lie to protect someone who is uh, threatened and vulnerable, even if it's breaking the law or even if it's even if you made a promise to tell the truth? There are a, a, a huge number of these disagreements. Some of them are dilemmas, but some of them aren't. Some of them are just different perspectives. So some philosophers have said, you know what, instead of trying to dissolve away all of the disagreement, maybe that's not even possible. Maybe we we can even imagine um, perfectly rational super beings who who can agree on all of the facts about the way the world is, if they might still disagree about something like euthanasia or suicide or revenge or lying or loyalty or all of these other complex issues, even if they disagree, maybe there is no one single right answer to these things. So we need to find a way to explain how these different systems Interact. Okay, but how can you? I think that's absolutely right. Of course, there are different religious views about something like euthanasia, and that they are uh, morally equivalent and, and and worthy of listening to, and and all of that. But once you've adopted that, how do you then stop that idea from dissolving everything? So mm. you find yourself in the situation where you can't argue that Hitler's bad from first principles because what's bad, you know, murder itself, genocide itself, starts to be just one value among others. Exactly. And this is the big challenge that moral relativists have to overcome. And I've got to say, when people talk about relativism in everyday terms, they usually misrepresent it compared to what philosophers are talking about. So one way people often talk about relativism is as if it's an anything goes. Anyone can be believing whatever they want. Because the question with relativism is what is it relative to? And if you say that it's relative to just what I happen to believe right now, no one's going to buy that. 
that would lead to a kind of a moral nihilism where there's no way to say that you're right and you're wrong. So philosophers have some quite sophisticated views that explain why there's more than one moral system, but there's not an infinite number of moral systems. So they can rule some moral systems out they can rule Nazism and anything that says genocide is okay or anything that says cruelty and torture is okay. They can rule them out. But that means that you're still left with some systems that are equally valid. So one philosopher talks about it as being like different codes of football. Now, if you want to play a game of sport, if there's no rules at all, or if I feel like I can do a handball and you think you can, it's not going to work. But we can, we can agree that there might be communities who agree amongst within that community to play one code and another community agrees to play another code. So if you ask the question, is a handball fair? Can you do that? The answer will depend, it will be relative to which community and which code you're abiding to. And then they qualify that by just eliminating any codes that are obviously quite perverse. Okay, so you posit that there's some, I, I don't know, standards of, of human behaviour or things that grow out of our humanness that can give you a handhold into so, so the, the, the game of the game of sport that involves decapitation is not a fair game. Mm. Yes, yeah, so, so philosopher David Wong has this idea called pluralistic relativism. He says there are facts about human well-being, there are facts about social life and the problems that different social communities have to solve, and those problems will vary. So if you're living in a small hunter-gatherer society, in, the, in, in a very low-resource savanna, and, uh, you know, so let's take a, a, an issue like, um, is it ever permissible to kill the elderly, right? We would think absolutely not. But if you're in a small community where um, looking after these people could cost more lives, you might say it might be permissible to do this, to have a kind of a euthanasia system. And there are many cultures that have had this kind of system throughout history. But you bring uh, us into the modern world where we have the resources to be able to look after the elderly, then absolutely that's not morally permissible. So he says, depending on the kind of social situations that people live in, we can imagine that there are different rules that enable them to live well. Now, in neither of those situations would you allow something like torture, but you can imagine that you can allow a, a wide range of different kind of views that will be dependent upon the kinds of problems that they have to solve. I guess the issue is then where do you find this, uh, where do you find the source of being able to differentiate between a reasonable system that is, is, is an expression of this great plurality of, of moral systems from something that, that, uh, that, is, that, is, that is objectionable in an overall way? Yeah, so in let an me, overriding way. So let me flip that on its head and, and answer as some relativists might answer. They would say we already face that problem with if even if you believe in moral absolutism or moral objectivity. Let's take religions. A lot of religions believe that their particular divine law is the right divine law, yet there are still many of them and we still have to negotiate between them. And still a lot of cruelty is inflicted on the world by people with great moral certainty. Mm. So it's not necessarily an absence of moral convictions or, or uh, you know, it's not necessarily tolerance of diversity that is always the problem. Sometimes it's intolerance of diversity. So a relativist might say that we face the same problems about navigating this difficult landscape of different views, regardless of whether we believe in relativism or not. In fact, there are a lot of relativists, even amongst absolutists, because they do still believe in tolerance 
and openness and listening and negotiation Mm -hmm. and compromise. And that is just what the relativists are saying, except they're systematising it rather than having an absolutist view and then trying to figure out the negotiation outside of the system. Okay, but you're also saying don't be absolutist about moral relativism, that no one sensible is saying anything goes. Nobody sensible is saying, well, uh, that Hitler's bad is just a point of view. No one's saying that. No one sensible is saying that. No serious philosophers that I know of have ever said that. I mean, some philosophers have put forward some, some interesting views about morality, talking about maybe might makes right and other things, but no serious philosopher says that it is anything goes. Mm. Uh, we're still left with the problem of where, where we find the... See, a Christian would say you, or a, 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 a Muslim would say, mm. you find that source of the ultimate morality in your God and that then, then allows you to, uh, to, to, uh, to, with certainty, set the moral laws. Yeah, where morality comes from, that is still an open question, and relativists can have different answers to that. Usually, moral relativists um, are very naturalistic. They believe in a physical world, we are animals, we're trying to live together, we're trying to get along, we have social problems, we have conflicts of interest, uh, we have different desires, we have other kinds of cooperation issues. They're interested in solving those problems and they see multiple solutions. Which is the right solution and where it comes from is still an open question to them and it allows for different answers just as it does for other schools of ethics as well. Okay, but the answers are debatable. I think that's the most important thing that sometimes when people present a a morally, uh, this view of the world, um, you find on what basis would you then debate anything? Because if if, if truth doesn't exist and we're all just uh, puppets of our time and our beliefs, then on what basis do you do you say, well, I think the First World War was worse than the Second World War and here are my facts and figures mm. or vice versa? On, on what basis do you debate these things if you've thrown truth entirely up in the air and said everything's a matter of opinion? Sure, but there are many things that we do debate and we negotiate and we settle upon even if they are not objectively true. So David Wong might say with the football codes analogy, that we all agree to play a game of of rugby league or a game of cricket or whatever the game might be. If you're playing that game, we've all agreed to play it and there are true and false answers as to whether I can or cannot do certain things. We've negotiated that. Even though the laws of rugby union are not built into the universe, we can't just go out and discover them. We have to come up with them ourselves. We have to debate and discuss and negotiate and compromise with others to agree upon a set of rules. Once we've agreed upon them, we can still be bound to them. The law works that way. The law is is maybe a better metaphor than what we think of as morality. Okay, so for for my example about comparing two terrible wars, then the agreed uh, discourse of our society, the rules of the game in our society is is ten deaths are worse than five deaths, that three chemical attacks are worse than one one chemical. This is the the agreed rules of debate, I suppose, for our society, for an an empirical empirical society. Well, the rules of debate are open. See, a a subjectivist, somebody who believes that there is no objective morality that we can't go out and discover right and wrong. We have to come up with it. They will say that people who believe that morality is out there in the world, they're debating it anyway. They're already trying to negotiate it. They just happen to think that their particular views are true and discovered in the world, but they still have to debate with other people. And a subjectivist is saying, we're just doing the same thing. 
we're not doing anything fundamentally different. Uh, and we can still come to some, you know, agreed upon conclusions that we all abide to that help us all live a good life and enable us to flourish. Using different, what's the word, heuristic methods. Different heuristic methods, different standards of evidence. These are already open for debate no matter what you believe. That's what a relativist might say. Uh, a trip into the world of moral relativism with Tim Dean. Thank you so much. Thank you. There you go, Tim Dean, philosopher at the University of Sydney and a faculty member at the School of Life. You can listen again, of course, to his lesson online, abc.net.au slash Sydney. There you'll also find details of how to subscribe to the free Self-Improvement Wednesday podcast. That's it for this year for Self-Improvement Wednesday but it will be back when Drive resumes next year. You're listening to ABC Radio Sydney.